The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream, where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I am your host, Kelly Sullivan Walden, a.k.a. Dr. Dream, here on Unity Online Radio. And if you have a dream you'd like to share and talk about and unpack with me, um, the number to call is 816-251-3555. Or you might have a question about Our Lady Guadalupe, Our Lady of, no, Our Lady Guadalupe. There's a Lady of Guadalupe. That's what I thought. I thought there was an oven there. (laughs) So I am, this show is live and we are in Mexico. And not just in Mexico, but we are in Teotihuacan, Mexico, where humans awaken, awaken to their divinity. Right, Emily Greaves? Okay, so I'm sitting here with Nancy Telzero, a.k.a. Nancy T. Hi, Nancy T. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so glad you're listening to this show. You're going to think it's amazing because this guest is incredible. You're going to freak out. Yeah. You're going to freak. It's true. And so we are going to be talking to Emily Greaves. And let me share a little bit about this incredible woman. By the way, her website is Emily K. Greaves Art. Art. Dot com. And Emily has spent her life on many borders between cultures, countries, languages, races, religions, on the edges of all things walking between worlds. She moved to Mexico in 2004, and soon after that, she married into a village. So how does one marry into a well, village? Well, into someone, like, <laughs> into, yeah, into a family. It's like, kind of like marrying into a family, marrying into a village. Do you take this village to be your happily wedded village? That's extra marriage. I married a man from this village. Right, but it's wonderful. She inherited this entire community, it's, this culture. In, in a sense, she yeah. She married a culture. You can't separate the husband from the village. Oh, the village. <laughs> you may have but no, it doesn't work. So she she fell in love and she married and has a beautiful son, a beautiful husband, that she had an, a profound experience with Our Lady of Guadalupe, which we share a little bit about in another show that we're, we're talking about Dreaming Heaven, but we'll, we'll reiterate a little bit of the magic of her first meeting, Guadalupe. And we're going to talk about, um, I, I always have to draw this little parallel because I love Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. I loved how this typical painting of of the last supper and even the vitruvian man am i even pronouncing that right i hope i am like these things seem so obvious and part of our culture but then when you look at it under a microscope every detail means so much every detail is a map and a code to be able to unravel your own divinity and to wake up and emily 
has been a student, a scholar of Guadalupe from the inside out. And she's going to tell us about how, in a way, I mean, not that we're going to diss the Da Vinci Code, how could we? We love that. But the Guadalupe Code is just as fascinating, if not more so. And I think it's soon, it will become a, a cultural phenomenon more than it already is as a result of this woman's upcoming book. So anyway, welcome. Yes, Dr. Dream. <laughs> Thank, you Thank you so Emily much Gaines. for having me here. It's great to be here with you, Kelly and Nancy. I'm honored Long that time you me. <laughs> Thank Aww. you for joining us in your house. It reminds me of Luke and the Lovington song, Welcome to My House. He always <laughs> sings it to me at my own house. <laughs> Welcome to your house. What, what better thing for y'all to show up at my house? It's like so great. So beautiful, all the colors and the garden. It's so rich and wonderful. So um, let's talk a little bit about, I know you, you've you been here. You're from the U.S. You, I mean, from the States, from, from San Francisco, working in a high rise. You got invited. So just give us a I'm little. I'm actually originally from Montana. Oh, well, let's go back. Okay, so <laughs> you start might be there. The first start there. I ever met from Montana. Born and raised in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> oh, my sister used to live there. She loved it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, but I was when I moved down here, I was living at that time in the San Francisco Bay Area. That was my last U.S. stop. I, I tell people I just kept moving further south. <laughs> You're finding your way here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I um, came, I shared a little bit about this earlier that I came into a relationship with the Virgin of Guadalupe um, kind of through the back door. I was raised Protestant, as many people in the United States are, and I just always found that there was zero presence of the divine feminine, and I always, like I needed that, I found that always so empty somehow like i wasn't being satisfied in the in the religious upbringing that i was given and um and always just was looking for where's where's the mother and you know like when you had mary but mary only shows up she only shows up in the christmas story in the protestant church i mean really there's nobody talks about her nobody like Right, she's yeah. revered up on a shelf, and now let's get on with our lives. Yeah, there's no, no images of her or anything, because the Protestant church, remember, doesn't use images. Oh. Because they're considered idolatry. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's no Jesus on the cross, there's just the cross. Oh. And that's it. Oh, yeah, we yeah. don't know that. Yeah, we're, we're Catholic. Catholic. Oh, yeah, we're not Catholic. Yeah, no, anything. the Protestant church, that was one of the things that, that the image, so all the saints were dissed out, because... Oh, oh, that was idolatry, like adoring idols. Mm. So considered to be like heathen. <laughs> um, well, so so that. yeah, that's why I always like, I'm like, where's the juice to this relationship with the divine? Like, where's the mama? Yeah. And so about the time I was in college, I started becoming really frustrated with that and started turning my attention more to, you know, pagan, Wiccan, goddess religion type stuff and spent a number of years just really exploring that, exploring different goddesses and, mm-hmm. um, you know, ceremony and mythology around the divine feminine from other cultures. 
was there one goddess that you gravitated towards? Well, yeah. <laughs> she somehow just started showing up as the Virgin of Guadalupe. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, her. Yeah. Talk about her. Let's, let's see. I'm like, oh, you Tara, you know, Isis, all that's great. So cool. But, yeah. But visually, I kept seeing everywhere I went. I lived for um, part of this in Atlanta, Georgia. And... Um, even there, like I'd suddenly see the Virgin of Guadalupe and then I moved to San Francisco and, you know, I lived near the Mission District and with a Latina community there and, um, you know, lots of people of Mexican descent. She was everywhere. She was on everyone's like tattoos and, you know, pickup truck windows, bumper stickers, yeah. you know, she's everywhere. And, um, and so that's when I really started delving into studying her a little bit more and one of the books that just really opened the entire panorama for me around her and i learned so much early on coming especially as a non-catholic person mm-hmm. this book was amazing to me um the aztec virgin the secret mystical tradition of guadalupe by john minnie and unfortunately i have to tell the listeners that the book is out of print and good um, news bad news or bad news good news. yeah well for people that really want to get it soon, you can get it on like a used books through Amazon or eBay, or, but they're kind of pricey. But the good news is that I do have a, a book in the works um, around my own discoveries and relationships with the Virgin of Guadalupe and how she is a codex um, for the entire indigenous cosmology and really a promise, I think, for our world as it is today for to find union mm-hmm. because her core message and all of what she offers us in her symbolism is um, about bridging what appears to be separation and coming into union. So, so let's talk about some of that. And I, you know, I, one of the things I learned from you is even the word Mexican means mix. Mestizo. Mestizo. Is- yeah, is mixed. what it means. Which is like Mexica, Mex. I mean, isn't that like the no? The, the word Mexico okay. comes from um, a series of Nahuatl word sounds that means in the um, belly button of the moon. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah. wow. So Mexico means we're in the belly button of the moon. Yeah, not just in the belly of the moon, but the like the, the ombligo. Yeah. Oh my lord. Okay, that's yeah. That's, <laughs> So the codex, what is a codex? So a codex is like a a system of coded language image symbol. Mm -hmm. Um, So her image is a code and her, like a codex, you know those old old parchment, um, like here in in the pre-Hispanic Mexico and even after they would create these like large scrolls made out of bark paper Mm -hmm. filled with image yes that is a visual way to preserve teachings so that's mm-hmm. like a codex oh. uh-huh so because she's visual when you look at her image that's why we call it a codex so the code is held is contained within her image mm-hmm. and also in her story which was documented in Nahuatl, the indigenous language of this area this. at the time that she actually appeared so it was during the war well, the Spanish conquest, right. um, which was an ongoing process and very destructive here in 
in Mexico and throughout, you know, Latin America. Um, but here in Mexico, the Spanish conquest in the 1500s um, had a lot of effects, you know, ramifications mm -hmm. that were, you know, really, I can't even imagine, devastating for the, the population here. And um, people were being killed because they were resisting conversion to Catholicism. Because they were, they're Indians, Indios, right? They had their own practices. The indigenous so people here. Says, You're not going to practice this anymore. Yeah, indigenous people have their own spiritual tradition. Right. Um, and so Catholicism was forced upon them because their indigenous tradition was considered barbaric and heathen by the Catholics. Do you just imagine that just for a moment? I mean, it's so, we so think about the Spanish Inquisition, blah, 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 but it's like, like imagine that you're doing your thing and someone like bombards and says, you like, we'll kill you if you don't do this. Yeah. So well, they lost all their power, all their rights and, you know, basically were enslaved and were forced to accept a foreign religion, you know, that was completely foreign to them. So ouch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was really devastating on so many levels. And, um, so about 10 years after the conquest began, I guess I forget the exact year, like 1531 or something like that. Um, during a time when, you know, many, many people were being killed and, and also dying of disease that the Spanish brought. Um, during that time, the story tells of a humble indigenous man, Juan Diego, on December 9th was walking from his home, which was on the northeast side of what was then still a lake around Mexico City. So was, he'd cross a causeway, like a bridge, to get to Tlatelolco, which is where the, the, bishop, the bishop's cathedral was at that time, and they had to go be counted at mass. So that was part of the restriction, the law that was placed upon them. That wow. They had to prove that they were showing up at mass and they would be counted like, you know, like oh, a taking roll. But oh. so there'd be consequences if you were. Yeah. Okay. So as he's walking, you know, to, to head off early in the morning to go there, he walks by this hill at Tepayac, which is where the present day Basilica is in what's now all Mexico. Mexico City just ate that lake, so it doesn't exist anymore okay. unless it rains a lot. And then, <laughs> then all the lake comes back, everything floods. That's weird. But in any case, he was going to be counted at Mass and to attend to his own spiritual essence, which we can imagine was distinct. And there's that actually, you know, the story talks of him as this, like, humble peasant, but he really was a wisdom keeper in the tradition. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the indigenous tradition. And a very high up one. Oh. His, his indigenous name, um, let's see if I can conjure it up, is... And he's actually been canonized a saint in the Catholic Church with that name, Juan Diego Cuautlatuatzin. Well, the end part of that name is Tlatuani. A Tlatuani is a speaker for his people, which implies that, like a governor. Ooh. Like, yeah, so he was. that came as a result of what he did, or do, do you think it's, I think before? it's who he was before, yeah. But then the Cuautlatuatzin. That part of his name it means eagle. Oh. So he like it implies that he was an eagle knight, like a high ranking. Remember the the eagle being the spiritual being who belongs to the celestial realms and has this 
the highest mastery of consciousness. Right. So Don Juan Diego, that they talk about being of the, the Eagle Knights. The Eagle Knights, yeah. So, so Juan Diego was a speaker for his people of the Eagle lineage, those oh. who have the highest spiritual mastery. So, okay. The story, the yeah, story is like he's a humble <laughs> peasant, but you know, I'm sure he. Right. That's how the Spaniards considered him. So. Because he was Spanish, okay. Right, but but this it's an important part of the story that she appears, and she she when she appears to him on the morning early in the morning as he's walking by this hill at Tepeyac on December 9th, he hears like it's like the world changes and everything's glittering and glowing with light and color and I mean it's December you know it gets cold there's frost and it's usually just you no know, pile cactus and you know, scrub brush and it's dry and suddenly the world becomes illuminated with color and light and the stones are sparkling like gold and obsidian and and he hears this heavenly singing calling to him and he goes through he actually says, Am I dreaming? You know, like where am I? Is this the land the grandfather spoke of, the flower earth place? I mean, it's like like he, he uses very specific words to identify the dream that he's stepped into and that he's dreaming. Wow. And as, since you're the dreaming doctor, <laughs> it's not the sleeping wow. dream, it's the waking dream that right. he, he actually identifies. And, um, and so he comes then to the heavenly noble woman and she, he throws herself at her feet and she, set, she identifies herself to him as the Virgin Mary from the Catholic tradition and by a series of other names that the indigenous people would have known her by, like, you know, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of men and women, the creator of all that is, and a whole list of names. And so she gives him a mandate and she says, go to the bishop and tell the bishop that I want him to build a temple in my honor at this site on the hill of Tepeyac. Mm. And so off goes Juan Diego, completely overwhelmed, um, sits and waits to get into the bishop, you know, and the bishop's like, basically like, uh, yeah, next. right. You know, and he's very specific about explaining everything that he saw, heard, and experienced in this, you know, encounter with her when she appears to him. And um, the bishop was kind of like, yeah, whatever, right. I'll think about it. So Juan Diego goes back, and she's there again, and says, you know, I failed. I'm a nobody. Why don't you, you know, pick some high noble person to for this mission? And she's like, basically, like, I've chosen you. This is important that you actively put my will into action. And um, so he goes back again, and then he's basically, like, completely blown off, and the bishop's... Um, sends his lackeys to follow him and there's this the, the wording is very specific of the story and i wish i had it here but it's a pretty long story to try to read so i'm trying to paraphrase here <laughs> but um the the servants follow him and they follow him across the causeway and then he just like disappears from sight they lose juan him diego? yeah the the servants lose juan diego he just disappears and there's this mm, implication that he's able to go into these other realms, into the other oh. realms, and in his consciousness where they cannot follow. Oh, uh -huh. Ooh, that's cool. oh. yeah, it's like, like a, a reference. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, 
so then on that was on the, so there were two days December 9th December 10th and then December 11th um, he's has this other situation going on where his uncle Juan Bernardino is really really ill with like the plague or something like that um, smallpox I don't know one of those illnesses that the Spanish brought and he's dying and so Juan Diego's tending and has to kind of like set the virgin's mandate to the side for a moment and then it it's like his uncle's at the end. And so he has to go out in the super early in the morning on December 12th to go get a priest to do the last rites for his uncle. And he's like, if I go by the hill at Tepeyac, she's going to see me and detain me and ask me to fulfill the mission. So I'm going to try to like sneak by the, uh, the backside of the hill. She's thinking, thinking that she who sees everywhere will see him. Yeah, so of course... She comes down from the hill because she I sees you. I'm omnipresent. And yeah, she's like, she's like, where are you going, my littlest child? And he's like, oh, forgive me. I'm going to make some trouble for you. And, Oops. And she gives him this famous speech that's the the words are printed all over the basilica. She says, am I not right here, I who am your mother? Are you not under the shadow of my protection? Are you not in the folds of my garment? Like basically saying, like, do you need anything? I'm right here. I'll, you know, bring me all of your misery and all of your suffering and all of your worries, and I'll take care of them. And um, in and in that moment, apparently, according to oral tradition outside of the actual written document, she appeared to Juan Bernardino, healed him, and gave him her name. But I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Let me finish Juan Diego's part of the story. Perfect. So Juan Diego then goes back. Um, well, he, he says to her, she, he says, I need some kind of proof to give to the bishop, like some physical proof, because he just isn't buying it. So she says, okay, go up onto the top of the hill and pick all of the flowers that are growing there. So he goes up to the top of the hill, and, and there's it's winter. like, yeah, it's like the dead of winter, frost, that you know. supposed to be growing. Cactus, not exactly. And it's just abundant with gorgeous aromatic roses and flowers growing all over the place so he gathers them in his cloak and um brings them back down to her she blesses them puts her mojo on him and says don't show anyone until you get in to see the bishop so he goes back okay. all the way back we're gonna head to a cliffhanger okay in a moment we have to do we have to break to go to okay the so everyone hold tight and see what happens he's carrying, what he's happens? carrying in his cloak the flowers mm -hmm. and he's got the mandate and will this be enough to have the bishop say hmm or will it not be and also we want to talk about her name. Yeah. But what, what Guadalupe's name, because she wasn't Guadalupe then. No, y'all come to that. Part dum, of the dum, cliffhanger. Dum, 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 dum. dum. And <laughs> Emily Greaves is the one we're talking to right now. She is an artist. And she. we also have to talk about your very profound experience personally. A little bit of that mm -hmm. with Our Lady of Guadalupe. And let's see, what else are we going to stack it? Lady of Death. We're going to talk about the Angel of Death. And we're going to pull a card and we're from the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle. As soon as I hear the music that's taking us, we can actually start shuffling right now. And okay, we'll do the let me shuffle. Classic. These cards are gorgeous. Go get them. The Hero's Journey Dream Oracle. <laughs> 
Kelly Sullivan Wall. <laughs> Go to EmilyKGreavesArt.com. That's going to be tattooed on my brain. Her art yeah. is so beautiful. She's got classes. Tell them right now about some of the, if you've got some classes you're doing. Uh-huh. I've got some upcoming retreats here in Teotihuacan. The Book of Dreams is February 28th through March 6th, Ooh. which is a creative exploration of dreaming. So with um, art journaling and creative process. And then I've got a trip to Oaxaca um, in April, which is Awaken the Great Mother Within. And yeah, and we'll be going deep into our relationship with the Divine Mother, also with creative process and with um, shamanic breath work. Oh, yeah, that's with Stephanie Urbina Jones, that trip. And the one here, Book of Dreams, is with Iva Peel. Oh, Iva. Oh, how fabulous. And if you haven't yet seen Dreaming Heaven, we got to plug this because yeah. this didn't do it in the last one. The movie Dreaming Heaven. Go to dreamingheaven.net. There's Dreaming Heaven the movie, Dreaming Heaven the book, Dreaming Heaven the soundtrack. Lee Richard McCormick um, is kind of the, the main reason for that season. Ginny Gentry is the goddess that brought me into this world. And Francis Rico is also a part of... He's one of the main teachers in the Dreaming Heaven book and in the movie, and um, it's, there's so many beautiful things to check out. So make sure you go to dreamingheaven.net, or you can just Google Dreaming Heaven the movie, and you'll find it. Okay, so and we'll be right back in just a few moments here on Ask Dr. Dream. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jeff? didn't hear any music. <coughs> Is it supposed to be at 12.30? Nope. Oh, it's supposed to be like at 26 after. I'm not hearing anything. I thought we'd go until 26. So can you just put the commercial in early? Alright, so what do you want me to do? Is it just... Are we still on the air right now? Okay. Well, we have another minute and a half. We could do a lot. What's okay. the card that you pulled, Emily? So, I pulled Breadcrumbs of Bliss. Heed your pleasure principle. Oh. It's juicy. 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 Okay, so look this one up, Nancy. The oh, image is, is gorgeous. This is card number it's like 11. Spiraling women growing out of the earth with this this amazing red hair flowing with swaths of blue like the merging of the elements earth fire water air and she's she's merging right in the spiral into the sun so when we come back from this commercial break sorry that i thought it was a minute ago um nancy tells rose going to read to us a little bit about the message we're going to hear more about our lady of guadalupe we're with emily greaves and, and we're dreaming heaven with our lady guadalupe we'll be right back All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light, getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person, and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought, too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force, which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. If you could talk to an angel, what would you say? Join Jerry Gavin every Monday at 5 p.m. Central for Angelic Connection. Jerry shares messages from his guardian angel, Margaret, in combination with ancient healing practices to teach people how to listen to their spirit. Jerry can help you strengthen your connection to the angelic realm and receive clear messages of help and healing. Call in and join the show every Monday on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. dream interpretation, and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream here on Unity Online Radio. We're having such a wonderful time this morning. We're live in Mexico, in Teotihuacan. We are soon going to be climbing some pyramids and exploring the wonderful mysticism of this magical place. You want to find out, who I don't know, I don't have another journey planned, but I'm sure I'll have another one. But you can go to my website and look around there. Send me an email if you're interested in joining on, a, on one of these upcoming journeys. Emily Greaves has some upcoming 
Yeah, nice tortilla. We're <laughs> 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 Mexico eating tortillas. <laughs> and they're so delicious. Ooh, la la. Okay, so anyway, Emily, you've got an event coming up. Let's talk about that. The Book of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I have a Book of Dreams. It's a retreat that is really an exploration of the the dreaming energy in the pyramids and intuitive development through creative expression. How do people find out about this? So people can go to my website, www.emilykgrievesart.com. Emily and K. Greaves. Greaves Art. is spelled G-R-I-E-V-E-S. Emily K. Greaves Art. Awesome. Yeah. So right before the break, mm-hmm. Emily pulled um, out of the hero's journey, dream oracle. She pulled... She pulled breadcrumbs of, <laughs> Bread bliss. of bliss. Heed your pleasure principle. And Nancy tells her is going to do an interpretive dance <laughs> as she reads the message, meaning, and mantra. So take it away, Nancy. Okay. So oh, I tried to not eat this. <laughs> heed your pleasure principle. Follow your bliss, and doors will open for you that you never knew existed. Follow your bliss and the universe will open doors for you where there were only walls. Joseph Campbell. That was a good one. Okay, exactly. So the message is, it is no accident that you are on the planet at this time, in this place, with these people. It's no accident that you've been endowed with unique gifts. Your gifts and talents are within you for a purpose. It's not your job to know how your life is meant to unfold. It is only your job to be attuned to the bliss that moves you, guides you, and underlies your every interaction moment by moment. When you honor your dreams, your inner guidance, and the promptings of your soul, you are rewarded every step of the way with a resurgence of soul juice, a.k.a. bliss. This is not a temporary high that leaves you crashed and burned out. The breadcrumbs of bliss will lead you to the best place to be in divine right order. The dream symbol is blissful dreams. Regardless of whether they are about winning the lottery, an extraordinary sexual connection, or a sacred communion with God, or flying like an eagle, any of those things, blissful dreams reinforce that you are on track with your divine calling and purpose for being alive. You are inherently wired for pleasure. When you are where you are supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, the bliss button will be turned on. Your mantra is, I follow breadcrumbs of bliss that lead me step by step toward a more fulfilling life. And if you're in doubt whether what your next breadcrumb of bliss is or where it is, you can stop and pray and ask Our Lady of Guadalupe. Because she mm. just might say, mm, it's to your right. Yeah. <laughs> or go to Mexico. Or give or, you a mandate. Or talk to Emily. She'll give you a mandate on my behalf. <laughs> She's good at that. Okay. Yeah. So we were talking about the symbolism um, within. So Well, uh, we, were, we left him at the cliffhanger. The, the cliffhanger of the, of the flowers. Yeah, Juan Diego, who has filled his cloak with flowers and roses. And it goes back across the causeway, back into Mexico, Tlatelolco, to see the bishop, now with his proof. And um, the servants, of course, are like, this guy again? Oh, but he's got something. And there's this funny symbolic thing in the story where they try three times to take his flowers from him. 
and each time that they try the flowers like just disappear and become part of the cloak so they finally say something's up and they take they finally take him and see the bishop and when he opens up the cloak and all of the roses fall fall to the floor her image is actually imprinted on the cloak and this is a cloak made of like rough maguey fiber you know hand on a hand woven on a hand loom and um and her image is on there and that's the image that we see of her like anytime you see an image of the virgin of guadalupe this ba it's it's from it's from his cloak which is called oh. the tilma uh-huh or and the sacred and it's what hangs to this day in the basilica in mexico city so this is like not, and this they didn't have paint back then. These colors didn't. Exist. They've studied it inside and out. Scientists have studied it. It's, they've, of course, they studied it to see like was it painted? No, no. You know what it is? You know how that image is, is created? Is it's pixelated, but it's pixelated in such a way that there are two dots of color side by side that your eye perceives as a third color. So here's where that bridge building comes in. It already comes into the story because the, the language of Nahuatl is really difficult to translate into like English or Spanish because it uses a system that is called diphrasms, which are two oh. words or concepts set side by side that imply a third hidden meaning. So it's a <laughs> deeply mystical language. So when you read the tra any, like an English translation of the original language, let's say like, you know, the, the flowers burst into bloom, flame, fire, you know, like they'll have to put three words to kind of barely implicate how mystical it is. Oh. And so, so in her image, there is a system like that of, of duality and oneness. Because we live in a world where we perceive everything is separate, we're in, a, in, a, in an experience of separation from the divine, that's our core separation. Right. In these systems of like two and then one are a call to come Beautiful. into that experience. That there's a bridge where whatever we per perceive as opposite or separate, there's always the promise of a connection. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the tilma itself, because of the width of a hand loomed piece of cloth, there are two pieces of cloth stitched together right down the middle. So if you really study the original image of the Virgin of Guadalupe, you'll see there's, there's evidence of like a line that runs right down the middle, which is where that right. stitching is. So it's like two separate things oh stitched together become one. Oh, so this is why, I mean, not, this isn't the only reason, but one of the reasons why people go back and forth on that conveyor belt in front of Guadalupe, because just walk, because looking at her does like a unifying thing with your yeah. sides of your brain your higher lower self like whatever it just feels i know when i've gone and you, yeah they, they make you have to be on a conveyor belt because yeah so many people would want to stand there you'd never yeah, they'd want to camp out you'd want to yeah, yeah. But, but just beholding her puts you in a unified state yeah it seems to. and the entire grounds there has that effect and some things that are important about her um well as soon as she appeared on juan diego's tilma and the bishop recognized ah. Uh, they the the indigenous people then pretty much the aztec like immediately converted to catholicism pretty much because they recognized her so she what she did them. she provided for 
it, like for the people, a way to bridge in and be find peace in quotation marks is still an ongoing process, but to find a way in which they could survive. And every she has a way of making like everyone of serving so many who are in seemingly such opposite camps. The Indians there, and the Spaniards. They yeah, and even to this day, there are people who there are people who do, who don't believe that that was a miraculous apparition, and there are people who are. So they're what they call apparitionists and anti-apparitionists, oh, wow. both from the Catholics and the indigenous side, and then apparitionists, those who believe it was a miracle, both from the Catholics and the indigenous side, but all four of those camps all are devoted to her. So it doesn't really matter that like people are in disagreement about was it a miracle, was it not a miracle. Was that paint? Like, Did they have right, paint? it doesn't really matter right. because she serves them all in the same way and they come with the same devotion. And um, I mentioned earlier that she had appeared to Juan Diego's uncle, Juan Bernardino, and she gave her name to him. Oh. They were speaking Nahuatl. And have you ever wondered why she's called the Virgin of Guadalupe? There's like, the hill's called Tepayac, like there's nothing around there called Guadalupe. So I'm like, why the Virgin of Guadalupe? Well, speak, and I apologize for my difficulty in pronouncing Nahuatl. Oh, excellent but job with your Nahuatl. The, the name she gave him, Tequautlicapue. I can't say that right, but basically Tequautlicapue. The Spanish heard that and it sounded like Guadalupe to them. <laughs> and there's a Virgin of Guadalupe in Spain, We've in Extremadura, done. Spain, who was the patroness of all the conquistadores. She was the patroness of Hernán Cortés. So they're like, great, the Virgin of Guadalupe has appeared here in Mexico. She's sweetening what we're doing. We, yeah. we love her, oh, she loves and, us, we're good. Okay. And that name, though, has, has an actual meaning. And it's, there are different ways in which it's translated, depending kind of on who's, who's got the agenda. The church tends to translate it as she who crushes the stone serpent, which is obviously a referral to like, you know, the Catholic Spanish agenda of like getting rid of all the pagan, you know, indigenous idols and gods. But the indigenous people whose language it is, translate that as wait for it she who comes flying from the region of light like an eagle of fire oh that is the best so okay, she is not she, the girl next door she who comes <laughs> flying from the region of light like, like an, an eagle, eagle of fire, fire. <gasps> oh my god so when you see our lady guadalupe She's she's beautiful. She's she has this humble kind of way, but she is powerful. She comes from the regions of light like an eagle of fire. Yeah. Wow. And and most indigenous write a song right? <laughs> Most <laughs> indigenous people refer to her fondly as Tonantzin, which means revered mother. Okay. So that's you'll often hear Tonantzin, Tonantzin, like it was like Oh, sweet mama. Like it's a, it's a term of endearment and of honoring, of reverence, right. revered mother. So many people in their devotion, when they go on pilgrimage to her. It's easier to pronounce than the... Right, the other one, yeah. I can't Take out lick a boy. I know I'm saying it wrong. Wow, you It's so much better than what we could do. But yeah, so in her, so the story itself, 
that was documented in Nahuatl that I sort of paraphrase for you all contains lots of meaning between the lines that the indigenous people would have understood in that mystical way. Like, like it really, you know, you read it on the surface, you don't know, but those who spoke Nahuatl knew that those hidden meanings just through the diaphrasm. So, so an entire body of spiritual wisdom from the entire tradition is contained in it. And then her Im the image itself of her also is a codex. Some of the, mo the most, there are many, many symbols, but some of the most obvious ones are the rays around her, those like rays of light mm -hmm. represent the sun. And then under her feet is the moon. So the mm -hmm. sun and moon were highly revered in the even here in Teotihuacan, the pyramid of the sun yes, and the pyramid of the moon yes, right. is the prime elements of our celestial realm and the different sides of light. And um, in, the, in the very center, she's pregnant, which we know because of the black ribbon tied around her waist. Ah. That was a symbol for pregnancy. And it's actually a reference to Kuatlikwe, who is the indigenous earth mother. Oh. Who there's a fascinating statue of her in the Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City, mm -hmm. and she has these serpent heads that represent duality and oneness because they're both separate and one. Like if you look at them separately, it's like two snakes facing each other, mm -hmm. but then head on, it's like one. Mm -hmm. And she has all these symbols for life and death. And Quatnicue uh, is like she of the skirt of serpents is what that means. Whoa, and she whoa. has a double-headed serpent tied around whoa. her As the waist, which now translates into a black ribbon, which implies her pregnancy because she's given birth to all life. <gasps> yeah. So there's a reference here that, that people would have recognized Quatnicue, the mother of all, continues to be with us. So... And then on the very center of her pregnant belly is a four-petaled flower. And that four-petaled flower, it's really tiny. You have to, and this isn't the original image. That you're right, looking of at, course. Kelly. Yeah, that, yours is over here. We could Based on it. Yeah, or, or we can look up and maybe yes. share with people yeah. the, the, the original. The original, original. Right, right. But in any case, she has this, and it's pretty tiny, you know, especially you can't see it when it's far away. Uh, the size of a man's cloak hung, hung on the wall of the basilica way yeah. up high. But there's a little four-petal flower, and that four-petal flower is a symbol that the people in this land knew from thousands of years beforehand, from Teotihuacan specifically. Mm -hmm. And um, in a nutshell, that symbol means life and alignment of all things coming into center. And so people would have recognized that reference back to their cultural heritage. And um, there are other flower... There are eight petal flowers also on her robe, which are references to Venus and calendar cycles um, that are pretty complex. But then again, people would have had that, that wisdom to know, to identify the meaning. Um, That's pretty sneaky. It's very, it's, in, it's hiding the entire thing in plain in view. Plain and the sight. Spanish had no idea. Right. And then the stars on her cloak apparently um, are in the exact position of the way the stars were over that hill of Tepeyac on December 12th, looking from the top down. 
So looking from the heavens down. Whoa, like oh. imprinted. Yeah. Like from all. And, and then there's this little angel down below um, under that dark crescent moon. Yes. And um, apparently his, like his hairstyle is indicative of an, the way the indigenous wisdom keepers would have had oh, their yeah, hair. Oh yeah, the these short sort of, bangs. Yeah, these sort of high forehead. Yes. And then the wings have the colors of Quetzalcoatl. Mm. And now also of the Mexican flag, red, white, and green. Mm. And so there's this relationship to Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent, who also is the merging of all of the worlds together into alignment. So there's an indication of that. And he has one hand on her red dress and one hand on her blue robe. Mm. And that also is the, the red dress represents the earth. And the blue robe with the stars is the are the heavens. Yes. So he's literally merging heaven and earth. Oh my God! T the, touching so the hem of the garments. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and, and when you think of the way in which she said, "Are you not in the folds of my garment, like yeah. protecting?" You know, he's really like showing us that. You know, he's holding it together, like her energy. He's. He, like Juan Diego, is the active principle that brings her energy and her teachings into form so that we can live it. Like she said, I've chosen you to bring my will and desire into action. So it's, again, like both aspects, like the dream and then the action of bringing the dream into reality and, you know, manifesting it in, in such a way that we can really live it. So all of that is contained in all there. in this oh. image, and and it's and it's on tattoos everywhere. It's mm -hmm. it's just so part of the culture. And so with with this, like if we were to be really awake to what all of this means, what would this do for people? What what could we now access as a result of knowing that there's more to this than to con to contemplate the version of Guadalupe, our Tonantzin, what we can call her. Uh -huh. It's um. Generally, she calls to people like pretty specifically and people start seeing her mm -hmm. and then start asking, like, why is she appearing to me? And it's really about... Why she appeared to you. And opening... if you want to hear more of that story, you have to listen to... Next week. Next week, which we're doing out of order because we're Teotihuacan and things time jump around here. <laughs> and Emily talks in very beautiful detail about how she first really encountered oh. um, Our Lady of God. Yes, you that. To begin cultivating a conversation with the mother and to learn how to pray and come into being guided by her is a practice. And sometimes things have often, I mean, I talk to so many people who, who say like, she suddenly appeared to me, she suddenly called to me out of nowhere. People who have like, you know, no background or knowing about her, whether even Catholic or indigenous, but who suddenly are being called by her. And um, so should that happen to you if you're open? It often happens to people who aren't open. It just happens. But if that happens, then, you know, there's a practice to begin to cultivate that conversation um, to just of listening to begin with and then noticing if there are calls to action because she often gives people mandates. Mm, like one of your mandates. One of my mandates, yeah. Is to write this book. Yeah. 
Yeah. At least it's by Kelly. If it's not her mandate, it's <laughs> Kelly's mandate. Kelly's mandate. No, but I did have I did have a dream last night that was a story within a story within a story. And it was all about like keep the tension like so that it moves like that that's mm -hmm. one of the clever things that dan brown did in the da vinci code is that it wasn't just let me tell you about how cool this painting is mm -hmm. it was the the movement and yeah the, you know there's it's like it, you can't you have to keep turning the yeah. pages so anyway. well and another recommendation i actually have an online course mm -hmm. um a painting pilgrimage online called the mystical mother Ooh. which is using creative process intentional creativity as a pathway to begin to discover how to have a relationship with the Divine Mother. And I talk a lot about the version of Guadalupe just through my personal experience, through going on actual physical pilgrimage. Um, millions of pilgrims come to the Basilica on so December how, so 12th. Walk, how many miles do you end up from, walking? From here, from this you village. You walk from wherever you live. You walk from wherever you live. And since I live in this village, it's about 10, 11 hours or so walking. How many miles is that? I don't even know in miles. I don't know. Wow. But it takes, like, we don't stop. It's, and it takes at least like 11, 11. hours. Yeah. Like 10 if you're really booking it and 12 if you stop. And you get there and you do what? You, with, like together with millions of other people, you, millions. You press through the, like, sardines to be for one second in front of her. But it's like, it was extraordinary because so much of it is about to do that is the path. You don't do it every year. You've done it three times. Yeah, I fulfilled a mandate to do it three times a, a couple of years ago. Um, but it's like the process itself of walking, and we usually, even the wee, wee hours in the morning, we go around 1 a.m., and so it's cold, but it's quiet. And it's just you and your mantras, your rosaries, your prayers, and um, calling up the gratitude of what, what are you giving thanks for, you know? What is what have you asked for? What has she delivered? How has she protected you? How has she helped you? And just giving gratitude the whole with every step, every step. And then you enter and you might start out here by yourself. And then as you start entering into more urban areas or more and more people until like the stream turns into a river and you're just carried by a current of thousands of people. And you carry you often an image this. of her. Totally one year I painted, I took one of my own paintings of her. I carried it. But to carry an image of her actually lifts the burden of how difficult it is. It's extraordinary. Like we'd go in groups of like 10 and we'd have a couple images and whoever was feeling tired or lagging, they got the image and, and it lifts them up to carry her image. Oh, oh yeah. Amazing. Well, you, you said in the beginning that you were looking for, you were looking for something to make church, to make religion sacred and you were looking for something that was that was like the feminine sacred yeah and did, huh. and you found those things. i found those things in her yeah and more yeah and then some it's so amazing to get so, to go ahead. so she's given me a mandate okay another one okay. oh let's hear <laughs> which is to paint her image for the rest of my life over and over again it's to teach others how to paint it wow. and so out of that grew the online course mystical mother to teach others how to paint her image and to be able to receive her gifts wow. through that way because, because when you in, when you paint it you're literally bringing your prayers into visual form so that you can see and interact like she becomes real in your life in that way because you brought her through mm. like you brought her through your hand through the brush and so then you can cool. continue to 
oh. to, to have that interaction. So, and for everyone listening, if you're going through a rough moment, if you're uncertain about something that's going on, whether it be in your personal life or even politically or whatever it is, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to even just open up a prayer. Can yeah. you, I mean, I think she probably wouldn't mind if we said a prayer to her. She wouldn't say no, no, no. Oh, Only if I appeared to you first in a magical way. Yes. What if we just include her in our prayers and give yeah. to her these things? Like she said, aren't I in the fold of your yeah aren't you in the folds of my garment she says am i not right here i who am your mother and she's except so accepting of all i mean that's one thing i've really learned about her she includes everyone in the folds of her garments her entire mission is to build bridges between what appears separate and opposite and contrary mm. and to help us find our place of union. She includes all of us. Emily Greve, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your heart and your experience. And Nancy, thank you for calling. Nancy's crying. Oh my God. We're, we're receiving because this. Because she moves our hearts. You know, yeah, we all have have that dream of a mother. You know, many of us maybe didn't have the greatest physical mothers, or you know, those who did their best, but in different ways have fallen short. Maybe, or even those of us who are mothers, we find ways in which we feel like we've fallen short, and to to discover that there is this great mother available available to us like we don't can, have to be can be yeah. so healing you know and to it takes some work sometimes because we feel like we've been judged maybe or we've been rejected but to know that she's there's with she's with us, us. So, she really so is there she's so real. send your prayers to the lady of guadalupe tonancine tonancine and emily Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today on ask dr dream on unity online radio unity online yeah radio, of course well, thank Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.